All right, guys, I am John. And I'm Amy. And we are from the Dale Tribe, a YouTube channel. Uh, we vlog on YouTube. And we also have this podcast. It gives us an opportunity to jump into some of the questions that our viewers ask in a context uh, that we can speak a little bit more freely and more long-windedly. <laughs> Te technical term. So we are jumping in now to part two of a conversation that we started last week about parenting. So if you've not heard part one, go back and listen to part one. And if you're here for part two, keep listening. Part two is coming right up. So another concept that was really like a big aha moment for me was when someone, I don't actually remember who it was, but someone challenged me to make the default answer that I give to my kids yes rather than no. Um, up until then, I would say that when the kids ask for anything, whether it was like, can I have an ice cream or will you come watch me on the trampoline or any, whatever the question was, my default answer was no, mm -hmm. unless I had a good reason to say yes. Mm -hmm. And what they challenged me was to make my default answer yes, unless I had a good reason to say no. And they actually explained it in the context of kids get their idea of what God is like from their parents. Yeah, like God's a father, right? And God's so, a father. And what is your father like? If we believe that God is a loving and kind father, which we do, then God is actually looking for ways to empower us mm -hmm. rather than ways to shut down all the things we want to do. And so the challenge was to default to saying yes instead of saying no. And that's become one of the kind of guiding principles, I would say, for us as parents. Yeah. Um, is that whenever the kids ask for something, unless there's a good reason to say no, we'll, we'll say yes to it. Well, and, and it's super inconvenient sometimes. Yes. Super inconvenient. But yeah. we're here as parents, and like if Eli wants me to come watch him jump on the trampoline or take him out to like this afternoon, learn how to like drive in a parking lot and get a car in and out of parking places, like it would have been the, it would have been easy to just say no. Mm -hmm. But it's been so helpful to have that shift of saying yes. Yeah, and a lot of our no's was just inconvenience and tired and uh you know yeah i know you want that thing to eat but that means me getting off the couch and actually fixing it and da, 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 all this yep. stuff so that brings me to what i like to call inconvenient parenting and i've talked with john about this quite a bit which you know people ask us about parenting all the time and they're like oh your kids are so great and what they see is you know the now and the not, they don't, you don't see the behind the scenes, even on the blog, you don't see the parts that make our kids really, really awesome. And, um, I think part of that is as parents being willing to be inconvenienced mm -hmm. when it's the most inconvenience, this has happened <laughs> a bazillion times when I've been so exhausted and so ready for bed, already taken my makeup off in my pajamas about to get in bed. And I go say goodnight to the girls and, or the kids or whatever. And, one of them, I can just tell something's off. Mm -hmm. And I have a choice at that time. I can just be like, well, good night, love you, see you in the morning, and then go to sleep. Or I can sit down on their bed and I can go, what's going on? And let me pray with you and let's talk about this. And 
45 minutes to an hour later, I'm climbing into bed. Sometimes you can even feel it in your heart when you sit down, you're like, <laughs> I don't want to do this right now. I just want to be in my bed asleep. But you know what? That is like, it's, it's like an investment. You are investing in your kids. You're telling them that they are worth being inconvenienced right. for and that they're worth taking time for. And that is what's going to build character in them. And as they grow, they're going to understand their value. And it takes away a lot of the temptations that kids have. I mean, like if your kid is just super like, fully aware of how valuable they are and how loved they are, there's a lot of temptations they won't even have. I've, I've heard it said like, especially with our daughters, like they are gonna get love and affection somewhere, mm -hmm. right? And so if it's not from us, it's gonna be from somewhere else. Yeah. And so we just wanna make sure that we, as their parents, are the ones that are available mm -hmm. to hear their heart, to have those intimate moments with them so they don't go looking for that in unhealthy places. The other thing to go with that is that we're a safe place right. for our kids. And what I mean by that is they can tell us anything and we're not gonna respond in anger. We're not gonna yell at them. We're not gonna be, berate them. We're gonna talk through things. And if it's a hard thing, you know, it's gonna be a hard conversation probably. But if you cannot give your kids a safe place to come for like, hey mom, I was playing, I know you told me not to play ball in the house, but I was playing my basketball and I broke that lamp. What? You know, if you're responding in anger, your kid doesn't feel safe to come to you for things because he knows. Right, and the lamp when they're 10 becomes... My friends are smoking pot. Yeah, the drug use or the inappropriate or things yeah. when they're 15, 16, 18. Right. And so, like, your kids learn what your reaction is to the things they know that you're going to be disappointed in. Oh, kids are so good at reading you and they know exactly what you're thinking and how, how to approach things. And so they know that, okay, I can't tell my mom this. She'll be super angry with me. Right. I can't tell you how many children, how many kids in my kids' classes, my kids will come home from school and my girls will be talking about it and they're like, mom, I can't believe how many people at my school talk about like, oh, I can't do that. My mom will get so mad at me my kids don't have a context for that because like we don't really use anger as a parenting method i don't i don't get it because personally i think i want my kids to feel safe to talk to me about anything that they need to talk to me about yeah i mean i thought that's where you were going to go with their friends saying that they wouldn't talk to their parent about parents about the things that our kids Talk. Right. I mean, and that's what they said. They said, you know, like, I wouldn't want to talk to my parent about anything because they're getting angry about everything. Mm -hmm. And then they get cut off from certain things and their mom, you know, and I just, I, it's the relationship with our kids is very different because we don't get angry at them. And if they do something that they need to be, you know, they need to be corrected about, we have a conversation about it. You know, we're like, hey, what, what is this? Why'd you do this? And what's going on here? We honestly don't need to do that very often. Right. Well, I think we did it more when they, when were, they were little. And the result is now we have little adults. Yeah, and I can see, you know, there's some, some like, I, like I said earlier, um, you know, you can see areas that your kids need work. And so I have set aside a time for um, one kid right now in particular who has some areas that I feel like they need a little work on. And so I'm like, we're just gonna have a few minutes every day where we sit down and we chat. 
And we're just talking through things like, mm -hmm. what do you think about this? How are you doing? And what do you think? How do you think that when you do this, it, it affects other people? And how do you think you should, you know, um, affect other people? And she enjoys it because mm -hmm. it's a good conversation and it's time with mom and we're snuggled up. It's a way to address those things without, listen, if I see you do that again one more time, you know, just yeah. that the finger thing where you're just like the finger in the face and the, you know, I, I saw somewhere somebody saying um, that you hear your mom's voice as an adult in your mm -hmm. head. And what I, if my kids hear my voice in my head when they're an adult, I hope that it is freaking cheering for them mm. full blast yep. because that's what I want my kids to walk away with. They are, you know, like I want them to know that I see them and I think they're amazing and I am absolutely 100% cheering for them. Yeah. So that's the voice you want to be in your kid's head. You don't want to be that voice that's like, I knew you'd do that. I knew you'd fail again. Or I can't believe you did that. You know, the angry, biting, critical voice. Just no. Yeah. So a couple, <laughs> couple of thoughts. One is uh, boys and girls. We have both. And wow, they're different. They're really different. And Each that's kid good. Is really different. And they're supposed to be. And one of the things that's been really helpful I think to me, I read a book, Wild at Heart, and in that book, uh, it talks about that young men, like young boys, the first thing they need to know is that they are loved, that they're, they're, they're like a beloved son. Then as they get a little bit older, they need to know that they have what it takes. It's important to like let kids be kids mm -hmm. and not make them grow up too quickly. It's been really interesting because with, with, with our kids, like different kids have like matured at different rates and at different speeds. Mm -hmm. And take Shay, for example, right? She's like 13. She's like a 17-year-old. But looks and acts like a 17-year-old. Yeah, totally. And so with her, I'd say like in some ways we let her be herself. And in other ways, it's like we kind of hold her back. Like it, it would be very easy for her, I think, to spend all of her time hanging out with kids much older than her. Mm -hmm. And we like have really encouraged her to like be friends with her peers, with people her age. And then, you know, other kids are, are different. And so it's a, this thing of like doing what is right for each kid. And I think so many times like people, we even, mm -hmm. we're looking for like formulas, like what is the way to raise a kid? There's a verse in the Bible that says, raise up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. And I think a lot of people think about that and they're like, well, if you just raise up a kid right when they're old, they'll be a good person. And I don't think that's what it's saying. I think what that is saying is that if you raise up a kid and you take the time to figure out what is the right thing for them, what is the right way for them, then that's setting them up so that they can have a life that yeah. is fulfilling. And it's different for every kid. If you try and do the same thing that you did with your first kid, with your last kid, that, that may not work. Yeah. Another thing I think is, is kind of important, it, it, like so much of it comes back to health, as a, your health, your personal, emotional, whatever health as yep. a human. I am a really laid back person. I don't tend to, I mean, I get fiery about stuff sometimes. I'm like, oh no, they didn't. But I mean, I am really laid back. Like I don't, I mean, the kids are like, let's make a giant fort in the basement. I'm like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. A lot of parents, specifically moms, tend to be worriers and tend to be fearful. Mm. 
I think neither of these are good things. <laughs> I think that with having children, there are five quadrillion things you could worry about every day of every moment. But you kind of have to learn to give those up and just be like, you know what? I'm going to just trust that my kid's going to be okay, that everything's going to work out for the best. I think that we, the, we rob our kids of some things when we live in fear. And one of those things is, like we talked about earlier, pursuing creative things. Like if they see us living in fear in that area, they certainly aren't going to want to pursue it. Just like Eli is crazy extreme sports guy mm -hmm. and other moms watch what he does and they're like oh my gosh are you just freaking out all the time and are you terrified that he's gonna hurt himself and i'm like no i don't even think about it like he's really good at what he does i totally trust he's gonna be fine i think it's an area kind of god has given me grace in but it's important because your kids pick up on your fears and they it's like it's like you're telling them what to be afraid of if i was with my kids i'm terrified to be on stage oh my gosh that, i couldn't think of anything worse like shay probably wouldn't want to pursue a you know, career in Broadway. It's important not to give your fears to your kids because they might be called to do something that might be in that range of things, if that makes sense. Right, and you don't have to be able to do everything that your kids want to do. So, no. like, you know, you use the example of being on stage. You're, like, you're great on stage, and you're a singer, and you, like, you do all that stuff really well. Eli is now way beyond my level on a mountain bike. Like I taught him how to do the mountain bike stuff, but like the jumps that he builds, I won't do those. Like he's gone beyond my ability level. Oh yeah. And Anna with art. I, right. And I don't sit there and like discourage him. Because you want to be better than him? Right. <laughs> or, or just because I would be afraid to do them. Right. right? It's like outside it's, your comfort zone. Right. It's like you, you figure you out. You actually want to push him. You want them to like stand on your shoulders and do better yeah like totally. that's the goal anna and i used to draw together like that's one of the reasons she i think initially loved drawing yeah. is because she and i would sit down and make art together and now it's like a joke because she'll be like mom let's sit down and do art together and then she'll pick an anime character or something and you know she'll do it like way better than the original and then i try <laughs> do it and I say anytime you can just put this on your wall and anytime you're feeling bad about your art just look at this because I she just has so far surpassed my skill level and yeah we definitely don't want to hold them back so I mentioned inconvenient parenting a little bit and I think that one of the things that's super important in parenting is understanding that this season is is short mm. and it seems so long when your kids are small it seems like your eternity and it's not it's really not like we're at the other end of it now we have a kid who's about to leave for college and the season with her has gone by so fast yep. and I am so glad that I invested every inconvenient moment that I had to I'm so glad that I invested it in her because the fruit of it is so apparent and she's an amazing kid with so much wisdom. But one of the things that you have got to sort of get rid of and find ways to move past is selfishness. Here's the thing, there's a balance, right? And if you're a martyr and you don't have any dreams and you don't have anything that you do for yourself and you don't have friends and you, your whole life is your kids and all you do is give, give, give to them, it's not going to create healthy kids. It's certainly not going to create a healthy you. You're going to be burnout. Your kids are going to be spoiled and frustrated, and it's just not going to work out well. 
If you, on the other hand, if it's all about you and you're like, what's the next thing I'm going to do? I have my dreams I'm pursuing and you're not parenting your kids. That's not going to work out well for you or them. So there's a balance and it's important to kind of put selfishness, not self-care, but selfishness out of the picture. Self-care is important. It's important to make sure that your heart is well taken care of, to make sure that you're getting the rest you need, to make sure that you're not burning out. But and that you get time with your friends and you do totally. like that's where pursue parenting your dreams. is helpful for pursue your dreams, yeah. but not if it's going to cost you your children. Right. Like I said, the season is so small. You need to make sure that you are willing to give up selfishness and put somebody else ahead of yourself with your spouse. You kind of do that anyway, right? Like there's self care, but then you also are considering that person as well, right? Like you're trying to make sure that you love them well and, um, and do self-care. There's that juggling act. But then with kids, they are more dependent on you than your spouse. And they need you in a way that your spouse doesn't. And so you really have to like put selfishness in a drawer. <laughs> Don't ever get it out again. <laughs> I hope you can understand my dif- the difference between selfishness and self-care. All right, let's turn a corner. Yeah and talk about something that is ever present of an issue now for for parents, especially in 2018 or whenever you're listening to this, which is the whole thing about media, social media, like it's a different world. Like when we were kids, the issue was how much time do you spend watching TV? Now we all have like screens in our pockets we had one tv and my dad was in charge of it so we were watching star trek or nature documentaries 90 percent of the time at my house and it was like when we got home from school there were cartoons and we had like an atari but we couldn't ever play we couldn't play it unless somebody else was watching the the tv it's so bizarre to me because i never had a personal device that i could you know, play video games on or whatever, or watch movies on. I mean, and now... That was my dream when I was a kid. Are you kidding? Every one of our kids has some kind of device. Yep. Plus we have TVs and computers and like there's way more, way more screens than there are people in our way house. More. When they were little, every summer we'd do at least one week, usually longer, of a media fast mm. where we would cut out all TV, all everything. And as a young mom, it was awful at first because they're so used to being entertained by the TV that the moment you turn it off, they don't know what to do anymore. They don't know how to entertain themselves. It's like they've forgotten how to be humans. And so they're just like running around fighting and it's so bad. But then like within a few days, I was so, I mean, my house was much messier because they were doing things, but like they were like, look, mom, I made a book. Look, mom, I did this. Oh, I made a play dinosaur and you know like we've we created this game and it's like their brains like started engaging again and right. started working and all this creativity that's what we did when they were little it's trickier now though it it's is a lot harder i mean it's the way that they communicate with their friends it's and we have had kids who like i've had multiple of my children who have complained to me about their friends being on their phones all the time when they're with them. So we've tried to communicate with our kids and just say, look, when you are on your phone and you're with someone else, what you're saying to that person that you're with is, I'd rather be with this person I'm talking to on the phone, or I'd rather look on my phone than be with you. And that is true if you're on your phone when your kids are around. That's what I was gonna say. And parenting is about leading by example. 
we have got to get our faces out of our phones. We've got to learn to be bored again. Like we're never bored now. The moment we're bored, we pick up our phone. We can't even pee without our phone. And so I think it's really important to just learn to be bored, to be without something to do every second. Just talking to the kids a lot about that lately. We've had a lot of conversations about it. And so we've come up with a plan that we're gonna to try to use. And we actually are kind of thinking about sort of making our house like a phone-free zone. Like right. when people walk so when other in. other people come in, it's like, hey, put your phone down. Here's the, here's the little table for the phones. And you know, like, so that you actually, I mean, you can watch a movie together. You can do something when you're engaging together, but like, you know, sometimes we'll watch movies together and three of the people in the room will be on their devices. So it's not even like you're consuming a movie together. It's an isolating thing, mm -hmm. I think. I don't think it's good for you. We're only beginning to find out just how incredibly bad and unhealthy the level of interaction we have with social media is. Yeah. Uh, from everything from like where we get our self-worth to the literal physical effects that it's having on us and our brains. And so it's a great area to talk over with your kids. It's a great area if you're a kid to talk over with your parents. We already have like a no phones in their room yeah. policy, yeah. which I think is actually a really good policy to have. Just have a have the chargers out of their room somewhere so yeah. that they don't have phones in their rooms. This year for Christmas, we got everyone Amazon Echoes to put in their room to use as an alarm clock. And listen um, to music and they can, can yeah. audio books as yeah. well. We have by no means like nailed this. We've tried lots of different things over the years. I mean, one thing we used to do was make Saturday was like a technology fast day. We've done different things. We've tried different things. I don't know by any means that we've nailed it. We haven't. But we are continuing to experiment. We're continuing and we're continuing to have open conversation right. with the kids about it, which is really important. Like, you know, talking to them about what they feel when their kid when their friends are on the phone all the time and not engaging with them and talking with them about the importance of not doing that to others and talking about the like how it makes you feel when you see you know all these perfect girls on instagram and we get the irony that you are listening to this right now or <laughs> watching us right now on your phone or <laughs> and we have a YouTube whatever channel. device so like we live in this world totally. like we we watch lots of youtube the impact of social media and of YouTube can be hugely beneficial and positive. But if you have too much of anything, it's not necessarily a good thing. Moderation in all things, right? Even if you're getting some positive out of social media, just know that it can't be everything. So I wanna take a left turn okay. and I wanna ask you a couple of questions. Okay. If someone is listening to this and they are a teenager and their home is not a safe place, like what, what would you say to someone that is in, like that, that doesn't find themselves in a situation where their parents are thinking about things the way we've been talking? First of all, if you are being abused in any way, you should seek help immediately. Don't wait, just go call, find help. There's all kinds of hotlines that you can call or even just call the police and tell them I'm experiencing this. Get out. It's okay to admit that you're being mistreated and to get help. There's no shame in that, and it's important for you to do for yourself. If you're in a house where you're not being abused, but you feel like, like John said, it's not a safe place in that you don't feel like it's a safe place for you to share your heart, you, don't, you feel like your parents are angry a lot, all those kinds of things. I think the only answer that I can give from my perspective 
is to tell them to pray and to ask Jesus to speak to them in their lives and what they can do. I also would say seek out mentors and people that you find that are safe places and that are, you know, maybe you can go to a church and find a leader in the church or at your one of your local organizations or at school there's a counselor or just someone and ask them to speak into your life and to help guide you a little bit. Tell them your situation and tell them that it'd be great to have um, a Yoda in your life, you know? Yeah, we, we know so many people who come from less than ideal home backgrounds who are remarkable people who are Amazing. healthy and so loving. So and so fantastic, great parents. And I think that that is the piece that I would probably want to leave with you is that you're not without hope. Like just because your parents are this way, just because you're in a home like this, doesn't mean that that's your future. Doesn't mean that you won't be an amazing parent. Doesn't mean that you won't be able to impart to your kids things that weren't imparted to you. Right. It's just important to understand that like you get to choose your path of restoration. If you really, really want to get whole and if you really, really want to get away from all the dysfunction and really live a life that's different than you've been raised, you can. Like you're the one that gets to choose walking into that. You know, like a lot of people will say, I, I don't want to go to counseling, it's too painful, whatever. That's fine, but you're making a choice, right, to not seek restoration. And so all the steps towards restoration, they're not easy. They're really, really hard. It's, it's not always a short road, but it's a very worthwhile road. Because like I said earlier, every breakthrough that you make, you're making that for your kids too. You're breaking through for your kids as well. The same thing is true for you as parents. If you're sitting there and you've got kids that are grown up, if you've got kids that you feel like, oh my goodness, it's too late. Um, it's not. Mm -mm. And ultimately, and I'm going to get spiritual for a second here, but ultimately we all have to transfer that role of father, of mother to God. God is amazingly good at making up for our shortcomings. I just take a ton of reassurance from that is that our number one goal, I would say, for our kids is that by the time they leave home, that they have developed their own personal relationship with God, independent of us. Yeah. Because ultimately, that's where they need to take their identity from. That's where they need to take their validation from, mm -hmm. not from us. And or absolutely, their spouse in the future, right. or their kids. Right. And, and so, know. yes, we as parents can play a really, really helpful role, but... It isn't entirely up to us. Yeah, and totally. that's really, really hopeful, and it that's is. really encouraging. There is one other thing that is just, I think, really important, especially as moms. I don't know if dads do this as much. Maybe they do. I don't know. And that is not to get your identity and your validation mm -hmm. from your kids. If all that you have and all that you do has to do with your kids, when they leave home for college. It's going to be really, really rough on you. It's very important that you are yourself, that you're raising your kids. You know you're imparting them with all they need to have and 
trusting that God will make up for the rest. And then you're, you're sending them on their way. Like that's your job is to set them free, to go and pursue their dreams, to go and do what God's called them to do. But if your identity is rooted in them, then they, first of all, will feel that and they won't feel free to do what they need to do. Right. Also, it's just, it's super unhealthy for you. You're going to have a really hard time and it's going to be extremely unsettling for you. And just in general, if your kids feel like you're there, your life, it's not, it's a, it's a lot to put on a person. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's a lot of everything. Like, okay, well, I have to do this because my mom needs this. Like, what? No. You know, like, I think just making sure that you are, you know who you are without your kids. I think it's very important to understand that having your child's heart is more important than being right. Mm. And it's the same way we've kind of talked about this with just about relationship. And we talked about this with our kids, just about relationship in general. Like you can, you can have relationship or you can be right. If you're having an argument about something and you know you're right and you keep pressing the argument to the point of it injuring your relationship with the other person, it's, it's not worth it. Like relationship is more important than you getting your point across or you being right about something. Yeah. It's really important as a parent to be flexible and fluid and to understand that, you know, you can't have some sort of policy across the board all the time with parenting where it's like, when this happens, this happens, you know, cause it's just every, like I said, every kid's different and you're going to have to be adjusting those things all the time. I think just understanding that having your kid's heart is the most important thing. And what I mean by having their heart is just that, you know, you've probably experienced situations with your kids before where you can feel their like sort of wall that they've put up against you where it's like, mm, you know, anytime that that's happened, it hasn't happened in Oh my gosh, years, years and years and years with our kids. But anytime that's happened, we have tried to go immediately to that kid and say, let's figure out what's going on in this relationship and let's get, let's get ourselves on the same page again. And if it's something, did I do something that hurt you or was I too rough on you or was, you know, like, did that make you feel you just talking it out and making sure you're on the same page with your kid relationally. That goes back to the piece of them feeling like they can be open with you. If you've given them not just not getting angry when they tell you something, but also just sensing when that wall's gone up and going, okay, what's happening here? Like, I need to go back in and figure out why we have this wall between us and, um, and repair it. I think it's, it's, as a human, it feels really good to be heard. Mm. And... Sometimes as a kid, you can feel like nothing you say matters, nothing you say gets through. And there are situations where, you know, your parents can't change things, you know? And so it is kind of like you have a conversation and there's nothing they can do about it, you know? But if you can somehow make your child feel heard, even in the midst of, I am, you know, like you're going to a, maybe they're going to a school and there's no opportunity for them to change schools. There's no anything that you can do about it. And they're not enjoying their school experience. They're getting bullied. What are, I don't know. But if they come to you and talk to you about it and you just shut them down because there's nothing you can do about it. Look, I know it's hard. You just need to go. You know, that is what you're doing is you're building another of those walls between you. And just like we talked about earlier, just it's important to respect them instead of treating them like a kid 
treat them like you, you would a, just another human being, right? You wouldn't shut somebody down like that and be ugly to them. You would hear them out. And I think just taking the energy to listen to them and say, I am so sorry you're going through that. And I wish that I could do something for you. I mean, I'm happy to pray with you or hug you or we'll cuddle or watch a movie together tonight. But I, there's nothing we can do at this point to change your situation, but I just want you to know that I support you 100%. And if you think of something that I can do that will help, then let me know. It goes a long way. Yeah. It goes a long way to make your child feel like you're on their side. Making sure that you are listening to your kid. And trust me, when <laughs> it's hard sometimes. I remember when Anna was small, one time she she had more words than anybody else that's ever had when she was about 10. And she came up to me and recounted an entire SpongeBob episode from beginning to end while I'm in the kitchen cooking. And I was just like, please God, make it stop. And one time we were in the car driving and she was talking nonstop and John turned to me and he's like, cause I had asked her to be quiet and she just kept talking and John goes, how do we make it stop? I was like, I don't know. So I understand that sometimes it's difficult, but and she's great now. Oh, she's <laughs> she's amazing. And now sometimes we have to get her to talk because she's not she's not that talkative now. But she went through a phase. But I think that just making sure your child feels heard mm -hmm. and feels like you not only heard them, but you're engaging with them and you're on their side and you're going to do what you can for them. I know some of you have special needs kids and some of you have kids with type learning, 1 diabetes kids with type 1 diabetes kids dyslexia, with learning disabilities yeah. we get that we have two dyslexic kids and we have a kid with type 1 diabetes it's okay because you're gonna work together and you're gonna get through it but i just want to tell you that the whole thing about that i said earlier about feeling like a failure as a mom hmm. in those kinds of settings it just feels like it doubles that at least there's a constant feeling of i'm not doing enough what more can i do to my kids way behind my kids not doing this or how can i get and i just want to say to those of you who are dealing with that first of all i'm sorry because i know it is so hard and there is so much pressure and all of that but also you're doing a great job mm. and just give yourself so much grace and find good friends Hopefully that have other, you know, if you can find other moms that are dealing with the same thing, find other moms that you can talk to and say, oh my gosh, this is what I, I had a friend who lived here for a while who also had a dyslexic son. And I was just like, okay, what, what are you doing now? And what are you, you know, and we would just call each other and talk about how to do it and, um, you know, how to walk through it. It's really helpful to have support in that. All right. So hopefully some of this has been helpful to you. Uh, we would love to know what you think about these uh, little conversations that we're sharing with you. So please leave us a comment um, on iTunes or on YouTube if you're watching there. And let us know what, you're, what you think. And if you have any questions you'd like us to answer in a future episode. If you enjoyed this, uh, please give it a thumbs up or a like or whatever the right thing is for where you are. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys again really soon. Now, we do these about once a week. Uh, sometimes, like <laughs> last month, we take a little bit longer of a break. Um, but we do these when we can. And if by any chance you don't watch us yet on YouTube and you're interested in seeing like up close and personal our kids and some of the crazy things we get onto as a family, 
uh, go to YouTube and look for The Dale Tribe. We'd love to see you there. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll see you guys again really soon. Bye. Bye. Here we go down to the bottom to get